Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I'm really excited for all of it. I'm really excited to speak to our users. It's probably my favorite thing to do. I'm really excited to fail. I'm really excited to overcome that failure, all of it. I just, I feel very lucky to be able to be on this journey. Three, two, one. My name is Spree Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the vice president of cloud and security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. We all have to be so careful as driven creators to not burn out. That's what today's personal spot is about. It's about how to kind of recalibrate, how to be aware, how to give ourselves permission to like not have to grind hard. I know the last week I've been doing a lot, but I've just been feeling so unmotivated. Like I don't want to work out, don't want to do this, don't want to do that. And I find that when I push against it and I'm like upset at myself for being unmotivated, it becomes worse. It becomes more intense. And sometimes, I mean, everybody listening to this podcast is driven. That's just we're a set of driven people. Like we attract one another. That's just how we are. And so we have to be gentle with ourselves when we need time to heal and recoup. And and it's also okay not to be game on and David Goggins like every single day. It's all right to have down days. And I think I know I've gotten really hard on myself for that. And when I see my friends get really hard on themselves for that, it just makes it all so much worse. So be gentle to yourself. 
it's okay to nap, it's okay to rest, it's okay to take some days easy, it's okay to take some weeks easy sometimes. At the end of the day, what true success is, is to enjoy our own bodies and our own lives. Doesn't matter how many followers we have or how much money we make or what kind of accolades or status we receive, all that matters, like the true definition of success is are we enjoying our own life and are we living our life purposefully? That's it. It's everything else is just like really vanity, you know? So I hope that helps in your journey a little bit and enjoy the next episode. the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest coming at us from London. Welcome, Farah. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I feel like I found you via your product hunt campaign. So we're going to get into product hunt. We're going to get into editor. But to kick things off, why don't you just go ahead and formally share like a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Farah, as you said. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Editor. I have two other lovely, incredibly smart co-founders. So they're called Saf and Tim. And um, we made Editor to solve a problem that we actually um, found. So Editor is online. It's a web application and it automatically generates subtitles for videos in a nutshell. <laughs> which is which is so needed with YouTubes and with video podcasts and even creating, you know, subtitles for an audio podcast if you use an image, like everything. It's just so needed. So let's get into like what inspired you to create Editor and then let's talk about where Product Hunt fit into that journey for you. Yeah, of course. So we were inspired to make Editor because I myself, I started making videos and I noticed that a lot of videos have subtitles on and there's a big push on accessibility recently, which I think is very, very, very needed. So yeah, I was like, let me try and put some subtitles on my video. This is going to be easy. Um, it was in fact not, <laughs> not easy. So yeah, everything that I tried, I just found a bit clunky. The kind of person I am, if I want to do it, I want to do it and I want to do it now. And I want it to be relatively easy if I see that as an easy task. And I found that I was spending a lot of my time trying to add subtitles without even editing the video (laughs) at that point. So, yeah. So the UI of Editor is so clean. What are some of the features of Editor? How is it different than everything else out there? So we've actually got quite a lot of features considering how long we've been out. We have an upload from your phone option. So with COVID, loads of QR codes about everyone knows what everyone knows the drill now. Um, And for the more casual kind of blogger type people who are going to be on Instagram, we're going to have their phone out. Sometimes you just want a quick upload. You don't want to have to send it, put it on, send it however you send it. So yeah, we have a QR code for that and it just takes it from your phone. Um, we can edit timestamps, um, so change the time around for your subtitles, edit the subtitles, you can style them, position them, you can resize your video for different socials. So this is what this wasn't something I was personally aware of when I was making my videos. I just thought take a video, put it on any social, done. That is definitely not the case. <laughs> <laughs> um every different platform has different aspect ratios. So you make that nice and easy for you by having preset options. Our big release that we've had recently is translations. Um, So you can make your content go global. 
um, by just simply selecting the language you want. And we can choose, we've integrated over 70 languages. So honestly, 70 languages, absolute madness. And it's all just done by a simple click. Um, so it means that you can reach a much wider audience, which is really, really exciting. Our feedback has been that's one of the most helpful and sought after I mean, this is incredible. So like my YouTube videos are in English. So if I wanted to make my YouTube videos in Spanish, I would just choose Spanish. But if I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker, what would you recommend I do to make sure that the subtitles read accurately? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, you would obviously you'd speak in English. You'd get all your subtitles in English to start with. That's what we're defaulted to. And then you can edit your subtitles in English. And then after you've made your changes and you your subtitles say exactly what they want, you want them to say, you just click the button and select Spanish. And then editor does it for you, essentially. So as long as you edit what you want, because it's not 100% accurate, it's going to be accurate when you, ch- when you change it. Is it kind of like Google Translate? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, 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 exactly. Except... Ours go in English first and then you select the language. Yes. Yes to all of that. That is so cool. And it's something it's something I want to try. I've been thinking about starting a well, let me ask you this. On YouTube specifically, you could select subtitles and then people could choose, I believe, I'm not sure, can choose the subtitles, the captions in their language in their country. Because I've been thinking about starting a YouTube channel with my same English videos, but having subtitles in Spanish. So the channel specifically for a Spanish speaking market, Mm. why should we have our own subtitles in versus letting YouTube, if you, I mean, there's so many different content platforms, but just speaking YouTube specifically do the subtitles for us. Um, So this is actually a question we got, I get asked quite a lot. YouTube subtitles are are fine. They're great. They, they do the job, but, it's generic so everyone's subtitles are going to look exactly the same and if you're using youtube subtitles and you're not uploading your own subtitles which you can do with editor (laughs) um yeah you're kind of stuck with what you get so no subtitling platform is going to be able to give you subtitles 100 percent. it's just not possible right now unless you've got someone manually editing it but one of the benefits with using editor is that you can change all those spelling mistakes you can change anything that comes up I want to say, don't quote me, but I want to say late 80s where we're at with percentage for accuracy. But yeah, you can firstly change it so it's accurate. Secondly, you can style our subtitles so you can make them look how you want. You can change the color, you can fold them, you can move them about. Um, So it just gives you a more unique kind of feel to your videos and you can start creating that brand awareness. So if my, I don't know, brand colors are green, I can incorporate that into that. Um, So you just get a lot more ownership for a little bit more time, but honestly not that much more time because we give you the similar um, subtitles to what YouTube do, but then you can just make it how you want it. And what was your core competency in business or in tech before getting involved in editor? So my personal background, I am actually a pharmacist. So I'm a cancer pharmacist and I work in hospital. Uh, yeah it's a bit intense but it's good it's good to be able to help people so I didn't come from a particularly traditionally tech background that being said we use um electronic prescribing and stuff in the hospital so we do work with our engineers to kind of get what we need from the system um which is why I'm very much 
I want it to be simple. I want it to be easy. I want anyone to use it. So luckily I knew Saf and Tim who are world-class engineers and they honestly, what they do, what we've managed to achieve, what they've managed to achieve in building this in such a short, short space of time continues to amaze me every day. So yeah, I just went up to them and I was like, hey, I'm having a really hard time. Can we fix this? And so we did. <laughs> and it, did you have any interest in technology before that? When did you recognize you were first, you know, passionate about the tech space or was editor and your your desire to fix something that you wanted for yourself, your first interest? Other than, of course, how you use technology in, in the medical field. If I'm honest, my interest in technology came from frustration. <laughs> Um, because I just found a lot of the questions that I was asking, I was being told no. And maybe it came from a place of ignorance, looking back, probably did. Um, but I didn't understand why why it was a no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think through working with engineers at work and solving um this problem that we came across, I think really and truly editor kind of grew that for me. And yeah, I just, I really enjoy solving problems. <laughs> and I think tech really covers that massively across all platforms. And I'd love to get into the relationship with your co-founders more, but first let's talk about growth because everyone's interested in growth and it is how I discovered yeah. you. I think, I'm pretty sure, I think. I feel like I get the Chrome pop-ups for Product Hunt and anytime I see anything podcast related, I'm like, what's that? What has your growth plan been? I mean, here you are, you were in the medical space and it's your first you know, foray in, into the tech startup world. Where are you right now and what's been your growth plan to get where you are right now and what's your growth plan ahead? To start with, um, we kind of focused on, so although I'm not from a traditionally heavy tech background, my co-founders both really, really are. So we started by focusing on the product and we thought if we could build a really decent product, then obviously once people know about it, hopefully it'll, it'll grow. So we, we started with that. And yeah, so we built the product, we kind of tested it out on our friends and family, then we moved over to little focus groups, and then we launched on all the startup launch platforms like BetaList, BetaBound, um, Hacker News, and then Product Hunt. And I think Product Hunt was one of our most successful ones, I think. We got loads of really good feedback, yeah, and upvotes and stuff, so that, that was great for us. I think moving forward, we're just trying to connect with our users that we have to find out what it is that they think we can improve on, what features they'd like to see. I feel really lucky to work in a team that kind of acts on things fast. So because we're a relatively small team still, we're able to push things through and I don't get as many no's, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and how many customers do you have right now? Oh, um, I don't know the exact number, but maybe over I think around over 300 users last I checked but if I'm honest I haven't checked in a couple of weeks it's been a bit mad <laughs> because I'd love to dive into you decided as a company to price from the start so I'd love yeah. to talk about you know in the tech world there's so much about the freemium model so I'd love to talk about how you came to make that decision and your pricing as well as how you're handling as a small team customer support which is not easy let's first get into pricing it's something that will help a lot of people how'd you decide to charge or not to charge and what to charge 
Um, so this is something that we went back and forwards on for quite quite a while, to be honest. It was one of the harder decisions we had to make. We've always had a free trial, but we wanted to know if people were going to pay for our product ultimately for two reasons. Firstly, obviously we want to build a good product and we want to get users, we want to get growth. But ultimately, as a cost, as a business, we have we have costs that we have to pay for. Um, so running it, there there are costs involved. So that is the most obvious reason why we wanted to price early. And the other reason is when people pay for your product, they're much more likely to tell you what they like and what they don't like about mm. it. And that's what I'm most interested in. Like, what do you not like? It's, it's great hearing positive feedback and everyone loves that. But I want to know what we can do better. And with free trials and freemium type um, subscriptions, they're great. But I feel like you don't get those committed customers that are like, oh, why is this like this? Why can't I do this? I want to do this. They just kind of go and find something else, which is fine. It, it says something in itself, but we wanted right. that in depth. And how do you handle the customer support on, I mean, not at all 300 people are reaching out like at one time, thankfully, hopefully not. But <laughs> no, how do you handle the customer support as a small team? Do you have uh, software in place? Um, how do you funnel it? Do you, who, who has been appointed to handle <laughs> all the customer in inquiries? Um, that will be me <laughs> most of the time. So yeah, we generally we don't have a system in place yet just because we don't particularly need one just yet as we grow and things get more complex and we get more kind of customer queries then we can build that in um and we're quite lucky to be able to build it in in-house but as it stands it's generally me most of the time if I can't for any reason we take shifts but there's usually always someone the only challenge is of course we're, we're all based in London. So yourself, you're based in America. There's right. a time difference. Um, we've got some people in United Arab Emirates. We've got a couple of people in Australia, New Zealand. So that's probably the most challenging thing, the time difference. But yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> and, and you still work full-time in the medical space, right? I do, yes, yeah. So I'm curious because there's so many of us that have our full-time life and then we're builders, you know, on the side and, and mm -hmm. at all different levels. So how do you balance building this, you know, in the startup world, customer support tickets, the creativity mentally and, and, you know, and executing on that creativity and doing your full life <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and, and everything else that comes with your full life from not just your, your full-time job, but also grocery shopping and like taking care of your bills and like, you know, all the things. How do you do life and build? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's so, so, so challenging sometimes, even before editor. I think it, I don't think we get enough credit for just functioning. I think it's always on to the next, on to the next. Why are you not doing this? So yeah, I think that's a great question. To be honest, I got a lot of my time management skills and prioritization, all of this from an experience I had earlier in my life. Um, so I was a professional tennis player and I toured for quite a few years, but the majority of professional tennis players, including my brother and sister, actually, um, they get homeschooled because if you can imagine we're playing tennis for about four hours, five hours a day. Sometimes we're doing like two hours 
physical, going to the gym and then rehab and then psychology, your day gets filled up a lot. So not so much the easier option, but the more obvious option would be to be homeschooled. However, I was quite a stubborn child and I didn't want to leave my friends. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I had to balance that when I was young. So I generally did three weeks, three weeks touring and then three weeks at home training. And I had to fail at that. (laughs) I had to do badly. So it was either tennis or schoolwork for a long time. I couldn't balance both, but it just teaches you that skills I think that you need in loads of different ways that I don't know if I would have gained if I didn't have that experience so yeah I kind of draw from that so I am a big fan of lists because <laughs> if it's not written down it's probably not going to get done and yeah I just prioritize my time I don't think I don't think it's possible for anyone to do everything it's just not possible or healthy but at certain times of the day, different things are different and more important. So I find that if you plan well and you know your goals and you, oh, what's that word? Compartmentalize. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you do that and you don't feel like it's all muddled together and overwhelming, I find that that works for me. And also I've been reading this book, not sponsored at all. <laughs> I just think it's a great book. Um, it's called Atomic ha- Habits. Yes, James Clear, life-changing so book, highly recommend. Yes. Yeah, so, so good. Because I actually found myself getting into a bit of a rut um, for probably the first time since my tennis career. And that that really helped me. 100%. Great. Um, I want to talk about a tangent for a second. Um, it's course. a random question, something for all the parents mm-hmm. listening. I heard that tennis is one of the most incredible networking sports where you could really build relationships with key people that will help you elevate in your career as you go through your journey of life. Is that accurate? And is that something you'd encourage a lot of parents to think about getting their, their children into? Because I don't think tennis is like the default sport we think about when we're putting our kids into sports. (laughs) You're very right especially in America. So my brother went to um, Rice University and he was able to go there on a scholarship. You just meet a lot of people who are just interested in what you do. And I think it makes things easier because you have a conversation starter. And it also gives you, especially if you're a girl, if I'm honest, because there's less girls that play tennis, it's a lot easier to kind of, even if you don't make it into professional tennis, it's a lot easier to be able to get into one of these division one I'm not saying it's easy <laughs> right right but of it's, it's very possible to get into one of these division one unis and you get you come out of uni with no debt you get all these amazing life experiences you get to travel around America you get rackets kit for free so yeah no 100 uh, percent I do feel very very lucky to have kind of had that experience and had that journey and honestly away from all of that I think it's given me skills that maybe I would have got differently but a lot earlier on because when you're traveling on your own at 14 15 16 you kind of have to grow up fast which is I think a good thing I do I think this is such an important kind of insight in the professional journey like in the tech journey is like unfortunately this world does seem to be it's all about who you know the more relationships you have 
the more opportunity you'll have. And I found out about this world of tennis. I'm not in tennis, but I found out about it in a super weird, random way. And I had no idea. So I just kind of wanted to expose the secret to all the listeners <laughs> of like, if you have a kid and you're thinking yeah. about what sport to get them into, there are a lot of advantages of getting them into tennis. <laughs> there is. There really is. I think my brother, um, he got internships from it as well, which amazing. It's incredible. So talking about editor again, I'd like to talk about two things with your relationship mm -hmm. with your co-founders. How do you, the three of you make it work with fluidity? To be honest, we're quite lucky. I would say, I'd hope they'd say the same about me. They're quite easy to work with. <laughs> we have meetings, but I think compared to m most businesses, we actually keep the meetings to the minimum. We kind of meet when we need to meet about something chat when we need to chat about something but other than that we kind of part this culture that if something needs to get done we get it done not absolutely everything needs to be discussed um it, it can always be done and then shown we use google docs quite a bit we use discord and we just kind of ping each other on there and then if it's a bigger task we'll kind of break it down um all be on google docs at the same time and which I actually found slightly overwhelming because we're all highlighting different things at the same time it's all getting very fast <laughs> yeah. but yeah and we'll just assign it that way and go from there and then the next time we need we have something to do we'll review it and then do it again so it's, it's I think we've we've got used to COVID's probably helped with working remotely and communicating that way so I think it comes somewhat naturally to us like yeah. you're, so, you're so lucky that it does. And what was your strategic planning as a team when you submitted to beta list and to product hunt and to do that initial marketing? What was the strategic plan? While Saf and Tim were working on making the product, I was kind of finding all the platforms that we would be launching on. And I, I created our, cause they ask you different platforms, ask for different things and different platforms want different thing so I just kind of figured out which each wanted and I um drafted our application before we even had a product so for our product hunt launch also we would do I had things that we did before the launch things that we did a week couple of weeks before sorry um things that we did like during the first couple of days we had to shift to reply to people fast <laughs> and then <laughs> things that we did after so I think just really um planning it well and because I I don't code personally myself um, I take on a lot of those kind of roles um, and Saf and Tim do um, the hard bit. <laughs> they do the the really technical coding bits. So yeah, we kind of divide, divvy it up based on our skill sets, which are quite different. <laughs> and a little insider tip for everybody also looking to put their startup on um, these different platforms. There's a site called submit.co, S-U-B-M-I-T.co. And has a list of every single beta list product hunt kind of site. So it's really useful mm. in your launch campaign. Oh, that's really, really helpful. That would have been great <laughs> for us because I was just doing a Google job <laughs> listening to different podcasts. <laughs> Definitely, you can check that out later. What is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in launching Editor? It's funny, isn't it? When you know we have definitely not made it to the other side. But once you have a product and you have users, you kind of almost forget a bit about the struggles. <laughs> Were you scared no one would sign up? Yeah, yeah. If I'm completely honest, yeah. Um, especially because they we built it 
really quite fast, like compared to our competitors um, who have been around for minimum, I think, two years. We have the same features, similar features, especially with translations. That was a massive, massive one. Yeah, I had two fears. One, that no one would try it. (laughs) And two, that so many people would try it and we wouldn't be able to handle it. (laughs) Mm. But we fell somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I think our biggest obstacle maybe, for me personally, I can't speak about the boys. I don't think this is an obstacle for them. But because it was my first tech venture that I was really heavily involved in, I had a lot of learning to do and a lot of understanding. And it it kind of helped me understand conversations that I've had in the past with other engineers when it was just a no, because it is very complex and different systems affect different systems. So it's not just a case of, oh, do this, click the fingers, like press a button and it's done. So I had a lot of learning just to even keep up with the conversation. (laughs) Totally. I think it is so exciting that you push beyond your fears and you did the thing. And now mm-hmm. that you are, you know, lifting up hundreds of customers, how's it going? Like, how's it feel now? It still feels scary, but a different kind of scary. <laughs> I, to be honest, I feel much more comfortable in my role as well. So it feels better. I think as soon as you've got, as soon as you've got some customers, some users, it's kind of like a whew, moment. It's like, okay, this works. People want it. There's definitely a demand. It's not just me. <laughs> So yeah, I feel better, but it's definitely a learning process. And I'm actually really excited about the journey. I'm really excited for all of it. I'm really excited to speak to our users. It's probably my favorite thing to do. I'm really excited to fail. I'm really excited to overcome that failure, all of it. I just, I feel very lucky to be able to be on this journey. And how can people connect with you? So we, on our socials, we have Instagram, um, we're on Twitter, We've got a Facebook page. We've just started a LinkedIn page. Or you can just drop us an email. And can you spell it out for everybody, like where to find you on Twitter and and also where to connect with you directly? Yeah, of course. So um, my email is Farah. So that's F-A-R-A-H at editor, E-D-I-T-R um, dot I-O. Um, you can also message our um, we have a, a generic email inbox that everyone in our team has access to. So that's info at editor.io. So it's I-N-F-O at E-D-I-T-R.io. And then our socials all revol- revolve around editor. So it's either E-D-I-T-R.io or E-D-I-T-R underscore I-O. And we'll, get one of them. Yeah, and we'll include them all in the show notes. So be sure to look in the show notes to check. And before we Amazing. go, I'd love to hear what is the best piece of advice you've gotten overall for related to your career? The best piece of advice I've ever had is don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> it sounds somewhat generic. And I think failing is failure. It's a very negative word. It kind of brings anxiety and bad feelings. But I think if you're not failing, then you're doing something wrong because you're just, you're not, you're not pushing yourself. You're not pushing the boundaries. I don't think we can truly, truly get better or do something innovative or make a difference in this world without failing. And honestly, my lessons that I've learned in my life have all come, not all, but the big ones have been come from failing. So I'm at a point where I'm not 
particularly I'm always going to be a bit scared to fail but I've got through everything so far and life goes on so yeah just push the boundaries question things why is it a no try something it doesn't work out learn from it it's all part of the process isn't it I love it and other than editor of course what software like an app or site that you're like oh I can't live without it it's amazing it's got to be G Suite. It's just so helpful. <laughs> everything Google G Suite, is, yeah. Yeah, everything. Google Google Docs is so helpful. Everything's just so seamless and easy to use. And I'm big, like big, big on things being easy. I don't want to spend time figuring things out. I don't want to do that. I just want everything to be integrated and fast and quick. And my, my coworkers can see it and we can all update at the same time. And it's just such a simple thing, but it's just so helpful. And that's what I hope editor can, can be for people. <laughs> awesome. Have you been on a podcast before? I haven't. I've done interviews before, like radio interviews. But no, this is my first ever yes! podcast. So nice. Oh my God, you. it's such an honor. I'm so excited. I get to be your first podcast. That's oh, so gosh. rad. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's an honor to be here. I've been telling everyone. That's so cool. I'm really, really excited. You know, I started using editor myself. So I'm excited to see where you take it. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? Mm, No, just thank you for having me. Thank you for using editor. If anyone's listening to this, and they want to chat about editor about my experience as a woman in tech or as a starting a startup or anything or honestly, I'm please hit me up more than happy to talk about anything and everything Awesome! (laughs) and if you get to use editor we'd love your feedback always amazing thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world remember go to the women in tech community at womenintechvip.com that's womenintechvip.com say hello on social at women in tech show on twitter on instagram on facebook i will see you guys talk to you guys hear you guys in the next episode bye Bye, Esprit. Bye, everyone. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast and an absolute pleasure. And I hope to speak to you and see you guys soon. Hey, this is Farah. I'm a co-founder of Editor. Editor is an online platform and we auto-generate subtitles for your videos in over 70 languages. We're based in London, England, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.